Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them, the Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being that of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Kara Lou Dietrich. Today's topic, B2B marketing, an update from the front lines. Now, Kara Lou is the former CMO and was the head of marketing for Atlassian, who took the company public. She now advises hyper-growth startups like Build.com, 1Password, and Sprout Social. We met through CMO coaches and are both faculty at CMO Bootcamp. I appreciate her deep knowledge about the space. This is her third time on the show, and we are taking advantage of the fact that he she has just been to several B2B conferences. Welcome, Carrie Lou. Thanks for having me, Mike. Yes, it has been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, the B2B tech market explodes into the fall with user conferences and industry tech conferences. And this year, um, I've really experienced that in-person is back in force. Excellent. So let's get right into it. In addition to AI, which of course we will cover, what are you hearing from the front lines of B2B? We've had a recession. Oh, wait, no, not a recession. High interest rates, quiet quitting, returned office post-COVID, a massive change in company valuation, and a lot more. What's the temperature out there in B2B land? Well, I've been really lucky because I've been to a couple of different um, conferences at different scales of companies. Um, so last week I spoke at Saster, uh, which is really early stage startups and tech companies where AI is front and center because all of them are trying to figure out um, if they can be AI first companies, how they incorporate AI into their products um, and, and use AI as well, right? These are cutting edge folks um, at, the, at the beginning of company founding and entrepreneurship. Um, I spoke at that conference on stage with the uh, recent CMO of Zoom, uh, the CMO of Okta, and the CMO of Datadog, who are large public companies. Um, and sorry, uh, Databricks was speaking with me, and Datadog was there. I, I met with him as well, Alex. Um, and I've met with this week. Um, I was at Dreamforce with much larger companies. Uh, I also met with the, the CMO of Snowflake and the CMO of Confluent. So I've had uh, my finger on the pulse a little bit of large B2B tech companies and early stage tech companies. And there's two big things that are shaking out of all the conversations. The first is really the economy. Uh, no surprise, everyone's feeling squeezed. You know, there's so much focus on how do we do more with less and run even more efficiently. On the uh, um, public company side, right, valuations have just been decimated as growth companies have been criticized for not being efficient and uh, and profitable. And so uh, those that are either public or had wanted to go public are really trying to rejigger the fundamentals of their business for the, the modern or, or the current the current flavor of valuation. Um, but everyone's concerned going into next year that budgets aren't going to increase significantly, but growth really needs to increase. So, so, that, so yeah, and oh, the second ahead. thing is AI, which we'll get into. Yeah, we're going to hold AI because we're going to just drill down on AI because 
we have to talk about AI in almost every single show because it's such a hype topic, hot topic too. So, so let's go, let's dig in a little bit on this revaluing of, of companies, this shift from growth at all costs to profitability. It puts an awful lot of pressure, not only on the business, but also on the marketer in, in the middle of this. T tell me what's going on. If you're sitting in the marketing seat here in these B2B companies, because Suddenly, I mean, you're looking at like Instacart going out at like 20% of what they were uh, just a couple of years ago. Um, and, and you've got all this all this pressure. The marketer's in the center of a lot of that pressure. Tell me what you're seeing there. It's just, it's tough times, right? I mean, there is no easy button. And I think this is where we, you know, we go back to the old saying that's there for a reason. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Uh, because... When there were higher valuations, um, money was kind of pouring into a lot of companies, especially hot B2B companies, and we could experiment with a lot of new types of um, marketing. Um, you know, there was less diligence around some of the metrics and proof points, and now that 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 has entirely flipped. So, well, and you could and you could buy growth. You could just run out and buy growth at even if it wasn't that profitable of growth because you were super rewarded for it. Or at least that that was my take on a lot of it. You know, you could buy growth, but I'll say that the economy was just different. Growth came to you, right? I mean, there's like a bunch of reps who've spent this last five years taking orders and not yeah. like, or, you know, working for them. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of cynicism um, from kind of a more seasoned crowd that there's like an entitlement wave that's taken place where people like got good jobs, made lots of money, had a budget, didn't have that much pressure on them. You know, sales came in because people wanted to buy. I mean, the real issue in the economy right now is that everyone's squeezed. So buyers aren't buying. So you can't pay enough to make someone who doesn't have the budget buy your product. Sales cycles are longer, conversion rates are down, average selling prices are down. All of the fundamentals that previously could have had, you know, also good marketing convert to, you know, great revenue outcomes, just it's not working all the way through the funnel. So you're right. People both can't buy their growth, but they're also not getting the organic and inbound growth. That's what really propels high um, hyper growth companies. So before we dig into what this means for sales and marketing, is the growth actually there? Or are we seeing a really true contraction in, in some of the business? Because one, one of the things you can be chasing growth and you can get it maybe with lower pricing or more aggressiveness. You can't just sit by the pool and take orders. But if the growth isn't there, you know, you, you got a totally different issue. I, I, tell 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 our listeners where you think the, the B2B business is. I know it's not universal, but in terms of is the growth really still available or not? Um, and, and, and what's your take? Well, there's a big filtering exercise going on right now where products that are meaningfully impactful and give you measurable benefit will still be bought. And those that were nice to haves are not being bought. And we're going to see a, a big shakeout of companies here. Um, you know, publicly we saw, um, valuations readjusted um, but privately, that hasn't the shoe hasn't fallen. Hasn't happened yet privately. Yeah. That's and, being and, that's, on the books. and that's because, you know, um, investors don't want to write down their or, you know, their portfolio and take a lower, um, you know, percentage off the top. Um, 
And companies are trying at all costs not to raise down rounds. They're trying to give themselves the time to grow into their um, valuation, which is why profitability is so important. If you can be profitable and you don't have to take money, you don't have to announce that your valuation is half or three quarters of it was what it was at the peak. So um, I, I think there is growth to be had and we're seeing that in AI, right? VCs yeah. are investing in AI. Every marketer is interested in experimenting with AI products and we're interested in experimenting with it in part because we need to do more with less. You know, if you have a content team that's half the size of last year, but you have growth goals that are 20 or 30 or 40%, you need to be putting out more content. You need to have people who can use an AI assistant to do some of the background work and then make it even more compelling. Um, let me so go back. Let me go back growth. one second on something you just said, which is the nice to haves aren't getting funded. Can you tell me an industry that is kind of in a nice to have space versus we know AI and some other things are in a must have space, but any nice to have where you say this industry isn't isn't well positioned? I mean, one category which I've worked in most of my life is collaboration. You know, collaboration is really important, how people all get together and work on things. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that collaboration can be can be verticalized or horizontal, right? So like I, I heard someone recently um a product that was selling to financial to CFOs um, around getting better visibility and collaborating around some more of the numbers. And CFOs especially are, you know, the tightest walleted. Um, <laughs> and they're like, you know, I can do this with my Excel spreadsheet for another year and a half until we've got a little bit more flexibility. So I think industries where there's just incremental gain or the gain is kind of spread across beneficial. Uh, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I also kind of sense that a number of like benefits companies and HR, you know, when we were trying to lure every hipster with personalized coaching and high potential activities and deep training and experiential retreats for the, you know, executives, like a lot of that is um, out of tune. You know, I mean, some companies are going through second round layoffs. And so, um, you know, anything that was kind of um, a nice to have, like needs to be replaced right now with things that drive real ROI um, or solve a problem or give you a better chance of winning. Um, and I, you know, ideally in some measurable way. A brand, I, let's say yeah, brand advertising. And when brand you went advertising that, is one of those that's getting hit, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about this in a second. But when you went through that thing, I just felt like I won the HR bingo game. Uh, when you went through all the stuff that's being that's being cut back. Um, so right, the marketers and the sales team, by definition, because those those get really blurred in B2B, at least in my mind, right marketers into this story at a time when wallets are kind of closed. We had a guest earlier this year talk about wallets being closed. Thoughts on what's going on with them. You talked about the easy button, but but now I'm sitting in the seat I'm I I the pressure is probably ratcheted up on me as as a marketer and the head of sales. What tell me what what's going on there and what people should be thinking about in that seat right now? Mm -hmm. I think when um, someone tells us to do more with less or like find more efficient growth, um, most marketers want to roll their eyes or you know stick that's their like a standard reading when you see you a know, CMO. If I uh -huh. knew how to get more growth cheaper, I would be doing it right. You feel right. like you're doing all the right things, but I'll tell you, you know, I 
every now and then someone comes into my life um, and I am a high, highly driven, intense person. And I'll meet someone and be like, wow, they're being more diligent and aggressive against their processes and the way they're doing something to like squeeze more orange juice out of the orange. Um, and last week I met, um, as I mentioned with the CMO of Datadog, and he was just going through their sponsorships of events and they, um, they spend a bit more than some other companies on the sponsorship of events because he is running a green beret, highly trained, targeted group of people that are, um, you know, have just have this process to like greet, meet, qualify, demo um, within their booths. And if someone's taking too long on a demo in their booth, they take them to the back of the booth and they have people on call back in the office. Who then they arm wrestled them to the ground. Who aren't oh. getting expense, you know, who aren't expensive because they're on site to do deeper demos. Like he has really um, pushed the efficiency. Um, and, you know, I, I think for all of us marketing leaders, you know, we think we're doing our best, but then when we're really squeezed, you know, I mean, like a couple of these layoffs have been effective at grooming um, out some people who were like good and fine, but not really fantastic. Um, and some of these processes around like, you know, we've got to make some cuts and we've got to make some tough decisions, cut off some of the things that really aren't working. Well, as yeah, well. Probably some functions that aren't so needed anymore, maybe. But first, I want to I want to salute you about the data dog. And I, I feel like I should get a data dog T-shirt or something because of because that efficiency. But, but what you just said now was kind of like and we're going to talk about AI in a minute. But this is a move almost completely to efficiency in your mind or is there still a lot of room for creativity and longer term things um are you, you're asking about ai specifically or no about i'm asking about you're sitting in the marketing seat oh you just when you took apart datadog yes that so, is a, yes. a complete so, move to efficiency versus i'm going to invent something new or i'm taking the long run look here is this a move to short run efficiency or is there still much room for long-term thinking? I mean, the strategic CMO needs to be thinking about both, right? One of the reasons you drive so much efficiency is to try to leave yourself some innovation budget um, to keep expanding new channels, new opportunities, new technologies, because, you know, I'm talking to several CEOs right now about their 2024 planning and a lot of that is thinking about who are we going to try to be in 2025 and what do we need to do this coming year to lay the groundwork for that? So, no, I think bright CMOs are also working on innovation plays um, and especially because in some cases, and, you know, I think we've all been through phases of this, um, you start to flatline some of your um, you see diminishing marginal returns, right? Like SEO is one of those SEO or SEM, you know, in, in search engine marketing and search engine optimization, it's really the engine of a lot of hyper growth companies, but there becomes some point where you've kind of started to um, saturate your aware market and you need to do more awareness. And that's where like wider awareness brand campaigns come in and they're not in vogue when you can't directly measure the, um, the uplift, because maybe you're not spending enough or, right. you know, don't have statistically significant data. Um, but, you know, it's this constant cycle of make things more efficient and then reach more people and expand your, who, you know, what you stand for in the market and your vision and your products. 
No, the danger there, it, and my, I, I think I've, I've, I've witnessed this personally, is you get towards the efficient frontier on certain mathematical marketing you can do, particularly if you can see the, the whole market in your space. When you hit that efficient frontier, there's not that many gains. I mean, there's always some efficiency, but there's not like stepwise gains. And that's where you have to really think through the new thing. And this kind of brings me into the AI chat, which is, all right, let's talk about the topic of the year. You've been at all these conferences. You know, everyone is talking about AI. What, and you were just at Dreamforce. What are you, what are you hearing? So AI, I do believe is one of the most momentum technology leaps forward that we've seen. I've li lived through a couple of them. I was an, a salesperson for the internet in 2000. 99 and that, you know, how much we thought the internet was going to change the world and how ironic that there's still digital transformation happening with paper <laughs> processes going online 23 years later. Um, but even more telling for me was um, the mobile shift, right? Like um, if we'd go back to one of the top tech company or tech uh, conferences, that there was this joke about it being the year of mobile every year was, this is going to be the year of mobile. Yes, and it was like an eight year period. That was the year of mobile until one year we all realized that last year had actually been the year of mobile um, because there were all these obstacles, right? The, the internet, um, that the, sophistication of the hardware was an obstacle. The speed of the inter mobile internet was a, an obstacle. Storage was an obstacle. Um, and, and as we started to see many of those things come together, mobile became ubiquitous. Um, and so where we are in AI is, um, you know, we've come to a place where the data is good enough and the algorithms are smart enough to seem um, very useful and paint this future that, you know, many people have been painting this AI future for five, 10 and 20 years, right? I mean, I was advising an AI company three or four years ago that was just having trouble getting anyone um, to pay attention to them because it seemed too futuristic. But, it, you know, with the explosion of chat GPT and the usability for the average person on generative AI and, and, and vis visual AI, it's here now. But I do think there's these big obstacles, like with mobile, there's the obstacles of um, security and trust. You don't want to share all your private corporate data with an algorithm that's going to sell it to all of the other companies. Um, there's the issue of hallucinations, which Mark um, um, Benioff last week called lies. You know, if AI <laughs> is untrustworthy and lying about data, um, you know, you can't trust it and put it in front of your, your own clients. Um, and then there's just new ways of working and kind of the the transformational change. Um, one of the topics at one of the conferences was whether inside sales would exist in the future or if marketing could qualify leads and that AI bots could engage with them initially and send them the right things in the right order smarter than an inside salesperson until it really got to a human need later in kind of the more sophisticated sales process. So I, I think that um, it's going to be a fascinating coming, you know, five, eight or Where 10 Where do you years. think this gets its most traction to start here? Like when you look at B2B and its adoption of this, where is this going to, a year from now, where will AI have the most traction? I personally just think on the content and design teams, you know, I used to fight with my design teams because they'd want to reimagine things for each new campaign. And I'd be like, we have a brand guideline. Just give me something fast and effective. Um, and they would, 
we would struggle with this conflict between, you know, where is their time high impact and where is their time yeah, low impact exactly. and what do they like to do? No Especially one, when you have a lot of content. A lot of content, a lot of ads, a lot of blogs, you know, uh, no one, none of the designers at Oracle loved Oracle's advertising style with our red bar because it was boring to produce um, and didn't challenge their creativity. So, I mean, I think in the content generating AI and the visual design AI, um, those will really kind of unlock new levels of productivity from our marketing teams. And then there's a ton of other things, right? Like um, definitely in um, experience, the experience funnel. Like if we can understand who a person is better um, and give them the right thing at the right time, like we've been trying through so many manual models and a million chat boxes try to give you the right thing at the right time and very, very rarely succeed. Yes, uh, right? I mean, I God, if AI could fix search, I would like AI to fix LinkedIn search. When I mistype someone's name by one letter, they have no idea who I'm looking for. They don't know that I'm only looking for CMOs of tech companies that look anything like these names. Like this should be, there's so many things that are going to get smarter. But I, I definitely think like... Um, understanding our customers, serving them the right content at the right time in a really highly personalized way, generating content and um, visual design that's engaging. Um, I've, I've actually heard that some of the AI, um, one of my friends who writes um, a very popular blog with AI, AI is much better at having higher click-through rates on the titles of his blogs than he is after, even after his 350,000 followers of experience. Wow. All right, so we they, we had a show just recently on where uh, we talked to a VC who said we're, we are in the hype cycle, but he didn't think AI could be overhyped because he's where you are, that he thinks this is this is a fundamental shift in in all of business. So so put us into the into the marketing seat now in B two B. What should you be doing and particularly if is there any specific call outs based on your type of B2B business, give, give our listeners some tips on how they should be thinking about AI and its application. So I think the number one most important thing is for us to just know what we don't know and try to get educated. Uh, I've started trying to use the different generative AI um, blogs and uh, or, or for blogs, asking them different questions, using the visual AI talking to all of the vendors in our tech stacks and, and getting them to educate us. Um, you know, there's a number of different consultants that uh, I know that people are bringing in to train their own employees. So I think it's really about reading, training, technology, uh, product stack. It it's, seems almost insurmountable because we didn't have extra time on our hands to learn a whole new category. But I think that um, there's not really a lot of expertise that we can just hire in as we right, might. You're going to have to figure it out. But, but, but you're gonna have to figure we, out. we need yeah. to do a lot of in-house training, in-house training and um, and also, you know, experimentation with, with some of the different technologies. Again, I think of AI for a marketer as experimental. I don't, so, you know, but, will it transform but, our industry? Yes. Will it be 80% of our mind share at our companies this year? No. So what what experiments should I be moving towards from the marketing and sales seat in your mind? Like like there's I, I agree with the learning. I agree with the go get all the stuff you can. 
there's pressure on you to do something. What's your advice to people to handle that pressure and actually take a couple experiments? Where should they focus their experiment efforts on? So I, even though I'm the CMO, generally I find that there's people in my team who are even smarter than me, especially younger folks. Don't even say and that out loud. So, um. so I, you know, we used to do this thing in Atlassian, which was fantastic, which was called a hackathon day. And one yeah. day each quarter, everyone in the entire company would try to think about processes or problems at the company. We'd get on teams of four people and we would um, identify the problem, come up with a solution. It was a hackathon. So we'd also often like in, recruit engineers to build something manual for us. Um, but I definitely think having a process and maybe it's a lunch and learn where once a month, um, someone on the team or some department on the team is assigned to educate the rest of the marketing team on what they're learning about AI in their patch and how they'd like to use AI in the next six months. Um, I talked to my sister yesterday at Target um, and they've just brought in this efficiency executive to kind of go and think about the company and the efficiency. You know, in, in the equivalent of for me would be to find a couple people on my marketing team that were the most passionate and give them some budget to go find and educate our marketing team. Well, and I also think, given what you said earlier, if you're going to experiment with something real, put it in the efficiency camp so you can show results pretty fast and take a look at it. Um, also, it gives you a real mathematical look at did it work like we thought it would or not. So, you know, we, we there's always this joke um, about this is a really important initiative at our company. We're going to allocate $10,000 and an intern to work on it. <laughs> The side of the desk intern job. The intern we, we, we would always joke about that. So, I mean, I think the secret is if you're a CMO who thinks AI is going to be important, and there's there's two or three ways it's important, right? One way is, is it important for your team to be efficient? Yes, right? Are all of the marketing tools going to have AI built into them? You know, most of the, the top ones already do. Right. In in the app landscape, in the, in the B2B tech landscape, 65 to 70% of companies will have launched AI in their products by the end of the year. So almost every product you work with will have some AI in it, whether it's visible or hidden to you. As a CMO of a tech company, we also really care about how do our products use AI and make our customers' lives easier and more efficient um, by using AI. And so there's there's for, for B2B marketers, there's the double, like, can we use it inside our company? And do we know enough to talk about yeah. it? Which is super important to inform. Are we doing enough on the product roadmap? Do we have enough invested? Have we hired bright enough people? Are we thinking about these risks of um, ethics and, and privacy? Um, and are we painting a strong enough vision that's differentiating, uh, differentiating us in the market? Okay, let's close off AI and say we're, you were just at all these conferences. What one thing did you hear that surprised you the most that you want to share with our listeners that wasn't AI? You know, AI and economy really dominated the market. But I think the other thing that CMOs are struggling with is in this time of um, low sales, low conversion rates. There's a lot of pressure to try different growth levers and not just channels and marketing, but company strategy growth levers. 
Um, and one of the ones that comes up a lot in where the, the spheres I um, intersect with is uh, enterprise sales and selling to larger companies with salespeople that call someone on the phone and are a person that helps them. And this right. product-led growth which um, generally is kind of more small and mid-size companies where it's really like almost a B2C self-service. Yeah, automated, and, a- almost and so an automated self-service. Automated self-service. Atlassian, where I, I, the company that I took public was the um, preeminent product-led growth self-service um, sales company. So uh, lots of companies who are selling to small and mid-sized businesses are seeing the economic squeeze there, trying to move up to enterprise and bigger companies Lots of them are trying to say, oh, can we can we do it more efficiently and use self-service and sales? But basically, every time a company adds a new strategy, it is uh, distracting and it's possible that you do both poorly instead of both well. And so everyone is struggling with um, not just this strategy change, but the similar types where you need to get engineering, marketing, sales product all aligned together around two different um, fields of, of war. And so, you know, a lot of the CMOs that I talk to, I talk to them about how we really have to get explicit about allocating resources as a C-suite, because it, are we going to do SMB 20% and enterprise and upmarket 80%, or are they going to be 50-50, or are they um, well, swapped? I think this is super important, especially given the efficiency and the wallets closed concept we talked about earlier, which is the fight if you have multiple strategies is always going to be about resources, time, and priority. And if you don't have rules on that, every single issue is a conflict. So it's, it's uh, in my mind, really important to set rules. Um what should our listeners, because we're running we're running towards the end of the show, what should our listeners be thinking about that we haven't talked about so far? Anything you want to add? The thing that surprised me in the last couple of weeks of traveling is, again, how meaningful in-person is. You know, we've spent a long time um, online being pretty effective through this COVID and post-COVID period. But getting to be in person with people and have different conversations um, that are more fruitful, uh, you know, it's not a surprise to anyone who's been in sales or, you know, really valued their in-person time. But I think I've been under-prioritizing it. And a number of CMOs I talk to are moving towards more and more back in the office time. Um, And a number of companies that are kind of developer or self-service um, companies are moving back towards field events and executive dinners and community meetups. So I think we're we're really entering this post-COVID period where we've seen some of the advantages and efficiencies of online, but we're remembering how meaningful the personal connections really right. are to selling and growing an opportunity. I love this. In the age of AI, personal connection is more important than ever. Um, any last thoughts for our listeners before we close the show? Yeah, I would just say that times are tough. I think it's going to be a difficult 12 or possibly 18 months. And, you know, we don't have the the thrill of the unexpected big returns on our stock. And um, 
and, and it's not easy, but I would say that some of these difficult periods are where I formed some of my greatest relationships and um, really had some of my greatest career opportunities on the other side. So I think growth hides a lot of um, inefficiency and, and uh, pressure can sometimes make diamonds. So we are hoping that all of us become, you know, better marketers and, and better people and, and get through this with positive relationships instead of just kind of frustration and grind. I agree with this. And one of my mantras has been in a down market, good companies take share. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you, Carrie Lou, And thanks everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Evergreen, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, which include an operations trained CEO dishes on what he really thinks about marketing. A B-School professor talks about brand value measures and the metaverse, a primer on the marketing CFO and a 360 degree look at the CMO interview. Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Company. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your work days and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life.